Hello and welcome to the Real Life Law Podcast. I'm your host, Legia Miller, a real-life lawyer on a mission to demystify the law and how it affects your everyday life. Every Monday and Friday, I live stream over on my YouTube channel, and then I convert that into a podcast for you, because I get that you're a busy person on the go. We cover pop culture and current events and the laws that shape your everyday life. So thank you so much for joining. If you find this podcast informational or entertaining, please consider giving it a review. Every review helps this podcast grow and is greatly appreciated. Now on with the content. Today I want to talk to you about Britney Spears. Ever heard of her? As a disclaimer, before we get started, I would like to say I am a lawyer, but I am not your lawyer. Nothing that I'm saying here creates any sort of attorney-client privilege, and you should always seek an attorney's advice before making any legal decisions. Unless you've been living under a rock lately, you've heard that Britney is living a pretty sheltered and controlled life under what's called a conservatorship, which is run by her pretty abusive and alcoholic, allegedly, father, Jamie Spears, and I want to take some time today to explain to you what a conservatorship is and what's going on with Britney, but also to point out the larger issue, which is conservatorship abuse that's happening all over the country, which implicates state law, federal law, and the Constitution of the United States itself. Let's get started. Actually, before we get started, I would love to ask you to please give this video a thumbs up if you find it useful, and hit the subscribe button if you want to hear from me more. Okay, let's talk about Britney, and let's start from the beginning. Britney was born Britney Jean Spears on December 2nd, 1981. That's right, she is a Sagittarius. She was born in good old Mississippi and moved to New York City with her mom when she was nine to do some acting. At that point, she tried out for the Mickey Mouse Club, but she was told she was too young. Nevertheless, she persisted. And by the time she was 11, she landed that iconic Mickey Mouse Club role. Roll the clip. Mesmerizing. But regular old high school was never enough for Britney, and by the time she was 17, she came out with her iconic classic, Baby One More Time, which garnered her double platinum status and a few very iconic singles. Again, she was 17 when this thing came out and made her a worldwide superstar, constantly berated by paparazzi, including during her iconic time dating her Mickey Mouse Club counterpart, Justin Timberlake, and appearing at award shows in iconic outfits together. So that's kind of early Britney for you. And then she did a few more iconic things like that very brief Las Vegas marriage that she had, but then she ended up settling down with a Kevin Federline and they had two kids together. However, it wasn't just pure romance and, and smooth sailing in paradise. Brittany had her two sons really close together, back to back, within a year of each other, and after her second son was born, about a month after, is when she filed for divorce from Kevin Federline. This was in 2007, and if you recall, this was kind of the year it all went south for Brittany. So 2007, she gives birth to her second son, she divorces Federline, and then she ends up kind of losing it, shaving her head, spends some time in rehab, iconically attacks a paparazzi with an umbrella, 
and then spends a little bit more time in rehab. I'd like to point out at this point though, that again, this all happened about a month after she gave birth to her second child. And I don't think it's talked about enough, the hormonal and emotional challenges that a lot of women face after giving birth to children. There's a lot of rebalancing going on. There's a lot of things happening in your body that are totally normal, but that are not talked about a ton. And I can't help but wonder if there was something going on with Brittany that was totally normal but was so taboo for her to talk about, not to mention just spending the better part of the past decade, especially so young, being constantly chased by paparazzi, I feel like anyone would lose it. In 2008, Britney has visitation rights for her two children with Kevin Federline. However, there was an incident um, in her home where she had a child kind of locked in a room with her and she seemed to be under the influence of some drugs. Kevin Federline called the cops and she was taken to UCLA Medical Center where she was put on psychiatric hold and released after 24 hours. The medical professionals at UCLA who were holding her said that she was crying and yelling a lot and saying that she missed her children. Again, to me, this is just more evidence of maybe there was a traumatic birth or some sort of postpartum depression at work here that really we don't talk about. We just make fun of Britney for having a mental break in 2007, but there was a lot going on for Britney in this time. And she, because of this, had some struggles that ended up being extremely public due to her, you know, worldwide stardom at the time. So after this incident and her psychiatric hold at UCLA Medical Center, Jamie Spears, her father, was granted a temporary conservatorship over Britney. All right, so that begs the question, what's a conservatorship? Well, I looked into a bunch of different sources because while I am a lawyer, I'm not a conservatorship lawyer. And I found the California Handbook of Conservatorships and Brittany's conservatorship is in California. And so I found this very helpful. So a conservatorship is basically a tool that is used when adults are no longer capable of caring for themselves or for their finances. And it puts control over their life and or their finances in the hands of a conservator. And that person who is the adult who no longer is able to care for themselves is then considered a conservatee or a ward, depending on which state. So there's two types of conservatorships. There's a conservatorship of the person and a conservatorship of the estate. Conservatorship of the person is obviously over the person who is the conservatee. It's over their living arrangements, where they live, what they do with their time, the medical care they receive, the medication they take. Basically, they're daily living and care is put in the hands of a conservator who controls basically their every waking moment. A conservatorship of the state is where a conservator is named responsible for administering this, the estate of the conservatee or the ward. Um, and that means they have full control over all of the conservatee's assets. They can give the conservatee an allowance, but they don't have to. They can buy and sell assets and just maintain the estate of the ward however these, they see fit. There is, however, a lot of instances where conservators have to get judge approval in order to make certain decisions for the life and estate of the ward, but judges, at least based on my research, tend to be pretty lenient when it comes to granting conservators permission to make a lot of pretty drastic choices for the ward and the ward's estate. So conservatorships are created by judges, usually in the probate court system. So the probate court is within the state system and the probate court of the state oversees not only the creation of the conservatorship, but then the continuation of it. So anytime a conservator wants to do anything with the estate or make any choices for the ward, they have to go before the court and the court has to grant them permission. The court will also appoint who is the conservator of the conservatorship. Oftentimes that'll be a family member, like in the case of Brittany and her dad being the conservator, but sometimes 
there are also uh, court-appointed conservators who are kind of professional conservators, like it's their job and they have a number of different wards or conservatees over whom they have control based on the conservatorship. We'll get into more about that later. Conservatees or boards are also given a certain list of rights, um, and these rights include right to make phone calls, right to send and receive mail, a right to have visitors, a right to have their own concerns and complaints regarding the running of the conservatorship to be heard. Also, the court will periodically send a court investigator to look into the conservatorship to speak with the conservatee and see how the conservatee is feeling about how the conservatorship is going. The court may also appoint to the conservatee a court-appointed lawyer to help represent the conservatee in the ongoing conservatorship. The conservatee can also create a will, they can marry, they can request that the conservatorship be dissolved. However, the probate court has huge discretion in curbing any of these rights that I've listed. So really these rights exist and are considered rights of the conservatee, but the judge of the probate court at any point can come in at the request of the conservator and say, no, actually this person is not capable of having these rights and therefore they're taken away. In order to create a conservatorship, the conservatee or the ward needs to be determined to be incapacitated by a doctor. Once a court makes that determination that a person is incapacitated, that conservatee would need to prove that they are no longer incapacitated in order to get out from under the conservatorship. And once someone is declared incapacitated, it's apparently quite difficult to have your capacity restored. The court can also take away the conservatee's ability to consent to medical procedures and medications and give that power specifically to the conservator. Theoretically, the conservator of the estate should be filing an accounting with the probate court every year to explain kind of how they're managing the conservatee's estate, though this restriction doesn't seem to be particularly effective or followed based on my research. And most notably, the court determines the compensation rate for the conservator and the conservator's lawyers. Often a conservator, especially one who's not a professional, but even professional ones, they need the guidance of an attorney who has expertise in conservatorships in order to know how to properly run the conservatorship. So oftentimes it'll be the conservator is named conservator of the conservatorship, how many times can I say conservator in this video, but also that conservator will have a lawyer or the lawyer will be named a conservator as well in the conservatorship. However, conservators, lawyers, court-appointed investigators, all of these people get paid out of the conservatee's estate meaning that the conservatee doesn't really have much say in terms of whether or not they become a conservatee, and then they have to pay the people who are controlling their lives after the fact. As you can probably imagine, there's a lot of abuse that happens in this system, and I'm gonna talk about that later, but I wanted to highlight what a conservatorship is for you and sort of the pitfalls so that as I'm telling you Brittany's story, you can kind of start to see where this whole system has fallen apart for Brittany and for a large swath of the United States population. Anyway, back to Brittany. So again, it's 2008, Brittany had her breakdown, and Jamie Spears, her dad, has been granted a temporary conservatorship over Brittany's person at this point. Again, you'll remember that means her daily care and not her estate yet. So like I said, in order to form the conservatorship, Jamie needed to get Britney Spears declared incapacitated. The first doctor that Jamie tried to hire to declare Britney incapacitated actually refused to do so after speaking with his lawyer. So that's fishy in and of itself. But then he did finally get a doctor to declare Britney incapacitated and they actually did so by saying that she had early or latent signs of dementia 
which is very interesting. And I'll get into that in a minute. Then Brittany tried to hire her own lawyer, a guy named Adam Streisand. However, this doctor, Dr. Spar, who declared her incapacitated, also said that she wasn't capable of hiring her own lawyer due to her incapacity. So that meant that this guy, Adam Streisand, wasn't actually able to represent her at all. Interestingly, Adam Streisand, the lawyer, and Dr. Spar, the guy who declared her incapacitated, have worked together in the past to publish certain articles and or books talking specifically about getting an incapacitation declaration in the administration of a conservatorship. I'm not really sure how that connection has anything to do with Britney, but it is kind of fishy that these people are all kind of in interconnected here. So once Jamie has conservatorship control over Britney, he kind of starts making moves that seem to be aimed at isolating Britney further, including getting a restraining order against her former manager and firing her current business manager. Britney then tries to hire a different lawyer to represent her to get out from under this conservatorship. This attorney's name was John Eardley, and apparently she got hold of a phone, gave him a phone call, left a message asking him to represent her in trying to end the conservatorship, and he took this and ran with it, and he filed a complaint in the U.S. District Court. You'll remember that conservatorships are created in probate courts, which is under the state court system. In the U.S., we kind of have two main branches of courts. We've got state courts and we've got federal courts, and they're separate, but they can overlap and can be appealed. So you can appeal a state court decision to the federal district court under certain circumstances. Basically, the federal district court has to have jurisdiction over the case, meaning that there's some sort of federal question, like whether something is constitutional or not, that would give the federal court reason to hear the case. So this John Eardley guy that Brittany tried to hire took her case and brought it to the federal court saying that her constitutional rights were being violated. And in a lot of ways, you could see how we could argue that because you do also have a right to due process when your life, liberty, and property are being taken away, meaning you have a right to receive notice that they're being taken away and then receive a hearing in most cases to state your case basically as to why they shouldn't, these rights should not be taken away. In Britney's case, as is the case for a lot of people across the country, the hearing in the probate court was relatively short. And this happens in a lot of cases regarding conservatorships. The hearing will be 10 to 15 minutes long, the person will be declared incapacitated, a conservator will be assigned, and then case closed, moving on. Even though the American Bar Association, which is the association that oversees lawyers in the United States, has said that conservatorships should actually be last resort, and there are many other ways to deal with or to handle situations where people are no longer able to care for themselves or their estate. It seems that conservatorships are being used by probate courts as a means to handle people who are incapacitated and move on. So John Eardley was going to the U.S. District Court to argue these types of issues that Brittany was not granted her due process, meaning she wasn't given notice and a proper hearing before having her liberty and her property taken away from her, basically. However, the district court determined that because she was declared incapacitated in the probate court and the probate court determined that she did not have capacity to hire a lawyer, that she didn't have capacity to hire John Eardley either, and that Eardley was out of bounds by bringing this case into the district court at all because he didn't even have a um, attorney-client relationship with her to begin with. Meanwhile, in October of 2008, the conservatorship of Britney Spears was made permanent, and Jamie Spears and his attorney, Andrew Wallet, were given conservator roles 
in both her life and her estate. So they had complete control over her day-to-day -day living as well as her entire estate. And it's said that in the first 11 months of the conservatorship, they spent $2.7 million on lawyers alone. Throughout the conservatorship, the conservators, Jamie and Andrew, have attempted to shut down basically any fan sites or any entity that speaks negatively of the conservatorship by claiming defamation. And while this is all going on, after Britney's been declared incapacitated due to quote-unquote dementia, she also releases four albums, goes on two extensive world tours, and becomes a judge on the X Factor. All while having dementia, supposedly. So if we jump ahead to 2013, this is all still going on, the conservatorship starts to seek making riskier and riskier investments with Britney's money. She was also briefly engaged to a guy named Jason, and after they broke up, they sought to have a companion instated for her to kind of take his place, which is creepy to me. They also announced a two-year residency that she was going to be doing in Vegas at Planet Hollywood. Interestingly, part of her contract for that residency required that she remain in this conservatorship and that the conservatorship remain intact during the entire entirety of her residency, which to me seems like Caesars Entertainment, which owns Planet Hollywood, was very interested in keeping her kind of under the control of this conservatorship so that she couldn't, I don't know, have free will, I guess. In 2014, more shady things happen, including an announcement that apparently Jamie Spears was making $16,000 a month as Britney's conservator, but even more outrageously, Andrew Wallet, the attorney, was making $35,000 every month to be her conservator. And this is stuff that the, the probate court has to approve. So this is court-approved income that they were making off of running Britney's life and estate. And I'll remind you that this was being paid out of Britney's estate. They also weirdly seek a six million dollar loan for her estate. So basically through all of this, aside from Britney's own wishes, there's really very little incentive for anyone to end this conservatorship or to see if Britney maybe was capable of handling her own life and estate now that years had passed and she had just had this one kind of breakdown in 2007 and yet she's still under this conservatorship and there's really no incentive for anyone to end it at this point. So jump forward to 2019 and a lot of things begin to unravel for this conservatorship. Andrew Wallet, the attorney, resigns unexpectedly. And Brittany checks into a wellness facility and kind of falls off the grid in terms of her social media presence. There is a podcast called Brittany's Gram that basically just watched Brittany's Instagram and commented on it and speculated as to what was going on with her life. But when she became silent during this period, they started looking more into her conservatorship. And this is actually how the Free Brittany movement started because this podcast, Brittany's Gram, had a hashtag Free Brittany episode um, that kind of sparked this whole interest in what's going on with Britney. And I would like to take a moment to thank very much that podcast, but also the Free Britney subreddit, as well as the Lawyers for Britney Instagram, all of which have been extremely helpful in the creation of this video. Go check them out for ongoing updates um, and for way more in-depth information than I'm capable of going into in one video. So also in 2019, there's a new doctor who was hired basically to check in on Britney's capacity to see if that incapacity determination is still valid. That doctor was named Dr. Timothy Benson, but mysteriously, before he was able to testify in September, he died. 
at the age of 48. Maybe a coincidence. I don't know, everything about this case is so fishy, it's so hard to tell if it's just a bunch of really bad luck. Also in 2019, Kevin Federline, you know, the father of Britney's two children, filed a restraining order against Jamie Spears, Britney's father, because he apparently got into a physical altercation with Britney's now 13-year-old son. Also, Britney's mother wrote a book about kind of raising Britney and Britney's life and mentioned the fact that Jamie was an alcoholic. So there's a lot of things coming out that, that paint Jamie in a really bad light that really don't make it look good for his continued authority over Britney's life. Later in 2019, Jamie experiences some health problems um, and he steps down from his conservator role in the Britney conservatorship. And in his place, he requested that the court name this woman named Jody Montgomery as conservator or as temporary conservator. Jody has no relation to Britney, but he claims that that she's been Britney's care manager, and the court agrees and names Jody as temporary conservator until Jamie can recover from his health issues. However, this Jody character is really suspicious. She's one of those kind of professional conservators that I was telling you about before that has a number of wards and, and kind of is able to make a solid living doing this as a job. And she has past allegations of intentional infliction of emotional distress, of negligence, of elder abuse, and now she's in charge of Britney's life with no apparent relation to Britney at all. So this was late in 2019 and then COVID hit and she continues to this day to be Britney's temporary conservator and she has been named Britney's temporary conservator until January the earliest. Also a notable character in all of this is this woman named Lou Taylor who is or was or continues to be, I'm unclear, Britney's kind of publicist and spokesperson, and she's worked with a lot of famous people, but um, there's rumors that she allegedly was maybe behind the creation of the Britney conservatorship to begin with, partially because there's rumors that she allegedly was behind an attempt to put Lindsay Lohan under a similar conservatorship, except for in that case, Lindsay Lohan's father stepped in and said, no, we don't want to do that, and so it didn't actually occur. Whereas in this case, maybe um, Britney's dad stepped in and said, yes, I would like very much to do that, and I would like to be named conservator. This is all speculation, and this is all allegedly things that I've heard from other people. Again, the Britney conservatorship loves to sue people for defamation for saying really anything negative about the conservatorship, so I would like to, again, reiterate that these are things that I have found in my research that I am not stating as fact, but only that they allegedly occurred. So the Free Britney movement is in full force, and there's a number of lawyers and other activists and people watching, showing up at hearings that are scheduled at the probate court, protesting and looking for more transparency when it comes to the administration of her conservatorship. People are watching her social media and speculating over whether or not she's the one actually posting these things and whether she's maybe being drugged to be more compliant with the conservatorship because she does look a little out of it and kind of tousled in a lot of her social media. Again, this is all speculative and it's unclear kind of what's going on, but there's been this growing movement to try to help Britney regain the rights that she seems to be wanting to reclaim for herself. So that's the story of what's happening with Britney right now. But with this video, I also wanted to highlight conservatorship abuse generally because it, it is a larger issue in this country and especially in California where Britney lives. So studies have found that there is actually very little court oversight with the administration of conservatorships, despite the fact that many conservatorships 
conservatorship handbooks and laws require there to be a significant amount of court oversight, it seems like courts are basically just giving a lot of discretion to conservators in the running of these conservatorships without actually taking the conservatees' best interests into account. Technically, conservators have fiduciary duties to their wards, meaning that they have a duty to practice reasonable care in the administration of the conservatorship, and they have a duty of loyalty to the conservatorship, meaning that they can't what's called self-deal or make deals or sales or do anything that is in their own personal interest and not in the interests of the conservatee or the ward. However, just because there is that duty doesn't mean it's not breached. So courts in California have also said that if there is a trial to determine whether a conservatorship should be created, that the standard of proof that the petitioner, the one who wants to create the conservatorship, has to meet is beyond a reasonable doubt. If you've watched any Law & Order, you probably know that beyond a reasonable doubt is the standard that is used in criminal cases. So in order to be convicted of a crime, the evidence has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that you committed the crime. Similarly, in order to prove that the person is incapacitated such that they need to be under conservatorship, this has to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. And the reasoning for why there's such a high standard of proof to create conservatorships is because basically your freedoms and your right to property are being as restricted under a conservatorship as they would be if you were to be in prison. So courts wanted to protect against abuse of this system by requiring that a conservatorship be created using proof beyond a reasonable doubt. The problem with that is the issue of whether to create the conservatorship would have to go to trial. Often that's not the case. Often the conservatee or the ward isn't even present in court, in the probate court, when a conservatorship is created. So they're not there to object. They often don't have the resources to hire a lawyer or the wherewithal to know that they can hire a lawyer to defend them against the creation of a conservatorship. So unless they object to the creation and have an attorney there, it's not gonna go to trial. And a lot of times these hearings last 10, 15 minutes, the conservatorship is created and they're declared incapacitated and that's that. So a lot of these conservatorships aren't going to trial and this burden of proof is not being met. So despite court's acknowledgement that you lose a ton of fundamental rights when you're put under conservatorship, there isn't enforcement as to the level of proof needed to create conservatorships to begin with. Again, the American Bar Association says that conservatorships should be a last resort. There are many other ways to handle adults who are no longer capable of caring for themselves. There are trusts, like I said, where the assets are put in the name of a trustee. There are personal care assistance and, and at-home care assistance that can come in and help in the day-to-day -day life of the conservatee while also affording that conservatee the ability to control what happens in their life and in their estate. So courts are aren't really overseeing this very much. And also, unless there's actual fraud being committed by the conservators in a conservatorship, so stealing or self-dealing or things like that, it's technically not a criminal matter. So going to the police or going to district attorneys um, isn't really effective because they consider conservatorships to be a civil matter, not a criminal matter, so they don't really deal with it. And even in the case where there are criminal statutes that criminalize, you know, elder abuse or a isolation or other abuses of dependent adults, a lot of police departments don't have specific policy for how to deal with these laws, so they don't even know how to enforce them to begin with. So that means that a lot of people who are under conservatorships are left to the devices of civil court, meaning instead they have to be able to hire their own attorney and have that attorney go to court and argue that their rights are being infringed, much like John Eardley did 
or attempted to do for Brittany. However, as is in Brittany's case, if you have been determined to be incapacitated, that often means that you don't have the capacity to enter into contracts. In order to form a valid contract, both parties have to be capable of consenting to the creation of the contract. That's the same with creating attorney-client relationship. If you've been determined to not be capable or have capacity to enter into an attorney-client relationship, then you can't hire an attorney to represent you in court and to make any sort of claims that your constitutional rights have been violated. And even if a conservative or ward hasn't been declared incapacitated to the point of not being able to hire an attorney, they would still need access to resources to be able to hire an attorney to go to court, meaning they'd need to be able to access their money in their estate to pay an attorney. Again, if you're under a conservatorship of the estate, you don't have access to that money. So it's this system that is self-reinforcing and is just fraught with opportunity for abuse. And because of that, and because of the fact that it has been found that abuse is happening in this system, California passed an act to try to curb that abuse. It's called the Elder Abuse and Dependent Adult Civil Protection Act. However, this act only gives standing, standing being a right to sue under the law, to the conservators who run the conservatorship on behalf of the conservatee. So again, it doesn't solve this problem of conservator abuse because it doesn't give a right for the conservatee to sue or for the, a conservatee's family member who's maybe outside the conservatorship and sees abuse happening. They don't have right to sue until after the conservatee dies under this law. So in a lot of the cases, especially because conservatorships are often used um, with elderly people who are no longer capable of handling their own day-to-day -day living and their own estate, the only way to get out of a conservatorship is to die. So basically, once a conservatorship is created, it's really hard to get out from under it. It sounds like Brittany has tried a few times to hire an attorney or get herself declared capable of handling her own life and estate so that the conservatorship can be dissolved, but it doesn't really seem like there's any easy way out for Brittany at this point. Again, she can't hire an attorney to sue for her civil rights, and as courts have recognized, she's basically a prisoner in her own home. And this is the reality for a number of people throughout the United States, not only dependent adults, but also dependent elderly adults. It's estimated that 1.5 million people in the U.S. are currently living under conservatorship when there are many less restrictive means of handling care for someone who has become incapacitated due to age or illness. So despite the fact that many states have recognized that this abuse is happening, very little has been done to effectively end or curb the abuse. There's a lot of really great resources if you'd like to learn more about this. There's an episode of the Netflix series Dirty Money called Guardians Inc. that really goes into especially the elder abuse that occurs in the conservatorship system. And then, like I said before, the Lawyers for Britney Instagram is super helpful, as well as the Free Britney subreddit and the Britney's Graham podcast. These sources are going to have ongoing updates as to Britney's situation, but I hope that this has at least given you some context as to what a conservatorship is and kind of the uphill battle that Britney faces going forward if she wants to regain a lot of her fundamental freedoms. Thank you for listening to the Real Life Law Podcast. As a reminder, I stream live over on my YouTube every Monday and Friday at 9 a.m. Central, and then I turn it into podcast audio for you because I get that you're a busy person on the go. If you found this podcast informational or entertaining, please consider leaving a review. Every review helps this podcast grow and is greatly appreciated. Thanks so much for listening. Bye bye